This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. So how do you deal with a conspiracy theorist when they're responding to your blog post on Facebook, uh, the blog being about masks and COVID? How do you deal with that? How did I deal with it? I'll tell you. Uh, Last week on the show, I ended it by reading some of my response to a Facebook friend who is somebody that I know from high school and it's not the person I'm talking about I'm going to be talking about it's somebody else but this was the person that was raising some objections to wearing masks and I was trying to explain to him his objections were unfounded and that the science is pretty sound about wearing masks to help prevent the spread of the virus that causes COVID-19 uh, we are under that pandemic we've been under it for forever and it's it's going to continue for a while and it's going to get worse before it gets better now uh, we are close on a couple of vaccines which is cool I did mention that last week that's a cool thing that we're close on vaccines uh, there's one by Pfizer and there's one by Moderna uh, as I understand, I may not have the information absolutely correct, but uh, as I understand, um, I think both phar- pharmaceutical companies are applying to the FDA for uh, emergency use authorization. Um, they are they both have said that uh, they've done stage three testing, I believe it is, and the results show that uh, both vaccines are about 95% effective, which is outstanding. Um, I mean, conservative hopes were for a, 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 vir- uh, a vaccine that would be 50% effective, but we're looking at 95% effective. It's going to be two doses that we'll have to take. So, um, but the thing is, it's going to take time to roll out the uh, the vaccine. It's just going to take a while. Uh, by the end of the year, I think it was Pfizer expected to have something like 60 million doses, which would mean they can uh, vaccinate 30 million people. Uh, the first round of people that are going to get it would be the frontline healthcare workers and uh, nursing home residents, assisted living people. Those would be the first line of, of people getting or the first in line to get this vaccine. I don't know how many Moderna can have ready to go, but their their amount would be just that much that many more. Um, I will give a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of credit to the president, yes, fearless loser, 
who still is not admitting that he lost, but um, it was Operation Warp Speed that did uh, help to get us to this point. And it's also, and there's a 60 Minutes report that I watched a couple of few weeks ago where they're talking about, you know, they've, they've got uh, this uh, four-star general up in charge of this, the, the distri distribution of the vaccine once it's ready. Now, um, so a little bit of credit should go to him. He did put that in place as far as that. The money that, uh, that, uh, uh, well, that was available to pharmaceutical companies through um, Operation Warp Speed, um, there was money available to use that to help develop these vaccines. I think Moderna used it in some amount, some amount of money. Uh, but Pfizer did not. Pfizer did not use any federal funds in the development of uh, the vaccine. Uh, I'm not absolutely certain on Moderna. They, I don't know if they use it for the development or maybe some other aspect of it, but still some federal money went to them as far as that went. I think I have those facts correct. And so it's, it's going to happen. And we're going to have these vaccines. And I did talk about it in that uh, when I talked to my friend in my response to his anti-mask uh, stance that uh, you know once we get the vaccine online we can, you can and people get the vaccine we can take the masks off it, it, uh, we'll be able to do that uh, but we have to also the next battle is going to be convincing the anti-vaxxers to take the vaccine <laughs> and that's uh, that's not going to be easy so anyway but that's just that's what I know about what's going on with it. So, I, like I said, just give a little bit of credit to Fearless Loser, um, who is, at this point, has just given up completely on the on the pandemic. He, he really is. He's not doing anything. He golfs, and he complains about the election being stolen from him, and which it's not. It's not. It's, it's just there's no proof in court. There's nothing. They've got nothing. So, anyway. Um... <clears throat> uh, so I, I did what I said I was going to do. Uh, I, I, I was going to flesh out my response to my friend to, into a full blog that I put on, uh, the, on, on Dimland, which you can get to the, to the blog by going to dimland.com and clicking on the show notes option. You'll get to the blog there. It's, it'll be there. Um, and you can get to the show notes for this show there as well. Uh, anyway, um, I wrote up a full piece. I linked to stuff where I was getting my information about how masks are effective in, in keeping the large droplets where the virus is found in the droplets, keeps them close to us. It redirects your breath to closer to your face, keeping it in the mask, and uh, drop it down to the floor or something so you don't project out the virus. And so, and then when you're wearing a mask, you can help. It can help uh, eliminate some of the virus coming into you. It can help protect you against being exposed yourself. So there's that. Um, masks don't cause problem with CO2 levels. You don't retain germs. There's none of that kind of stuff. You know, surgeons have been wearing masks all day long, every day for decades, and there's no evidence of any kind of uh, you know lung problem because of wearing masks for extended periods of time. And you're not going to be wearing a mask for that long when you go to the grocery store or when you go to the hardware store. Okay? You're not going to be wearing it for that long. You know, a surgeon's going to be in surgery for 10 hours. 
eight hours. You know, it's just they're just going to be there. They're going to be wearing their masks. It's not okay. So I covered that stuff in my what I wrote, uh, and then I thought, well, I'm going to share it, and I shared it around a bit. Um, I, I put it on my Dimland Radio Facebook page, which if you haven't gone over to like, please find it and look for Dimland Radio on Facebook and give it a like. I don't know how many likes I have now. <laughs> Less than 200 still. Um, and then I shared it on my own page, and then I shared it on the Minnesota Skeptics page and the Minnesota Atheist page, and then some other skeptic sites. Uh, they had to approve them first, but they read it and approved it, put them up. But when you do something like that, you have to expect that it's the internet and you're going to have somebody that's going to take objection. And I did. I had somebody, uh, a Facebook friend who I have no idea who he is. <laughs> I don't know this person. Um, you know, I have a friend saying, how, could, how, how can you have Facebook friends like that? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how that person became a Facebook friend, just did. Early on in my Facebook uh, life, I sent out lots of friend requests and lots of people accepted. And I had this policy of accepting friend requests no matter what, you know, pretty much. But then I, I've begun to uh, curtail that a bit and say, okay, I'm not going to just, I'm going to be a little more careful about accepting friend requests. I'm going to look at their page. I'm going to see who their mutual friends are with me. And, you know, I'm going to do stuff like that. But this person got on there. I don't know why. Maybe he's an atheist. I don't know. But being an atheist doesn't make you a skeptic. And being a skeptic doesn't make you an atheist. So, so I, I, he, uh, he just, he just started up. He, he put up, the first thing he put up was an image of, a, uh, was a meme of a Venn diagram where uh, one circle was labeled uh, virtue, virtue signaler with the quote, I am a good person in there. And and then the next circle, it had uh, uh, patronizing. It said, I'm not, I see, I'm more informed and intelligent. Okay, and that intersects with the, uh, with the virtue signal circle. circle. And then the third circle of the, uh, the Venn diagram was uh, labeled martyr, which says that uh, I'm doing this for you, not me. All right, so the, the three come together, and in the middle, they have a, an image of a mask saying, you are here. And, you know, um, that's opinion. That's his opinion, and that's fine. He's not claiming anything there, really. Uh, as far as, you know, patronizing, uh, I, I agree. I, am, I would say I'm better informed. I don't think I'm, I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm more intelligent than this guy. This guy could be very t intelligent, just very ill-informed when it comes to masks. And he's, and then he just, you know, he put, takes the tinfoil out and he puts it on his head and he starts going into conspiracy theory and he starts posting and posting and posting and posting. And it, he said at one point, he says, uh, name one item that isn't 100% factual. So he puts. So I looked, I saw the Venn diagram thing, and then I saw the first thing he posted up there, and I read through it, and I just went, okay, what do I want to do? Because chances are pretty damn good if I attempted to refute each point he put up. He just put his fingers in his ears and just go, fake news, fake news, fake news. 
if I had found something on Snopes.com that that refuted any of his claims, well, Snopes, they're just controlled by George Soros and libtards and derp, 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 you know, and just that's what he, I, I maybe I'm assuming things that I shouldn't assume, but that's just, that's the impression I got from this guy. And this guy, now you won't be able to see it because I'll put up some images of what he posted, but I, you won't see his picture or his name because I shouldn't do that. But um, I, I'll just describe his him to you just a little bit. Uh, he's a middle-aged white dude, and the picture he picked for his profile picture is the visual equivalent of the sound of... <clears throat> he's got his arms crossed in front of him. He's got a dour look on his face. He's just looking at the camera. <clears throat> Okay, and then I thought, who is this guy? How is how is it that we're Facebook friends? And I go to his page and I scroll down his page and I saw a post that he put up that said something about he he just gotten out of thirty days Facebook jail. He says I'm back, and I went okay. Yeah, you're probably not sharing too many facts, are you? Probably sharing a lot of stuff that got you noticed by Facebook. You know, I've never been put in Facebook jail. Now, I was limited at the very early days. I was limited as to how many friend requests I could send out. Because they they, stop, they say, hey, you're sending too many friend requests out. Really? It's social media. I'm just being sociable. No, no, too many. So we're going to keep you from sending out any friend requests for 24 hours or something. Okay. And that had me reevaluate how I was doing my friend requests. And I pulled back a lot. But I've never been booted because I've, you know, I, I think I've followed the rules fairly well. So how did I deal with this guy? Knowing pretty, I think pretty well that if I had, he just would have ignored. It just wouldn't have helped. He just would have gone on and on and on. So what did I do? <clears throat> I hit upon the idea, uh, since I was respond, I had my phone, and was looking at the Facebook on my phone, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I went to my camera roll on my Facebook phone, uh, my Facebook phone, my iPhone, and I start scrolling down, and any time you know, I find my silly faces, oh, I did use my skeptical face, which I use quite often on some stuff, but I just put in my silly, I, I have some silly faces, that I've, selfies that I've done where I make a silly face because I use it as a joke or something on Facebook or with friends, and so I still had them on there, so I, you know, I just, I just put my face, making a silly face. Every time he puts something up, that's how I responded, every time. I didn't say anything. I didn't write anything. I didn't. I didn't rise to his his bait, to to get into some sort of debate with him because my blog has everything that I had to say, and I linked to sources. The CDC was one of them, and it's some videos of you know of a doctor talking about what the science is showing about how the masks can protect the person wearing them, and uh, a couple videos for you are you know the, what were they? Uh, they were two videos from uh, the web uh, the the YouTube channel called "It's Okay to Be Smart," in which the, the you know the the host is describing how masks work in one of them, and then debunking a bunch of, uh, of myths about masks. And this is right there. It's all there. You know, here, there it is. Here's where, here's where I get my information. I link to them in, in the blog. It's right there. Just read the blog. But no, it wasn't good enough for him. So, in go the silly faces. And then he, he moved over to one of my uh, um, 
my my Dimland Radio announcement that the show is going to be on that Saturday night, half hour or so before the show. I put it up on Facebook that the it will come on on ZTalkRadio.com. Uh, you know, so if you want to come to the chat room, come on over to the chat room. I'll be there. We can we can chat while we listen to me blather on about stuff. So he starts doing the same thing there, and then I notice he starts putting a repeated post through all my my pictures. He starts doing a repeated post. It says. Can't do it, can you? Does appearing to be a jackass ever work for you in real life? <laughs> well, does being a jackass work for you? <laughs> See, I'm appearing to be like one, but you are one, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you're being challenged for lying, genius. Is this really the best you can do? <laughs> That's how he responded. When I noticed he was doing that over and over, I stopped putting up pictures. In fact, uh, I was going to do one more, and instead of putting a picture of me, I have in my camera roll a picture of Yul Brenner from the uh, the movie Westworld from 1973. Uh, don't ask me why. I just have it in there. There's a reason. <laughs> but uh, so I, I was going to post that, but it wouldn't it wouldn't post up, and Facebook was giving me some kind of message about not available or something. Huh, really? Not available. So I clicked on his name to go to his page, and Facebook couldn't find it anymore. What do you know? The fellow unfriended me and blocked me. You know, sometimes the trash does take itself out. So one of the things... Let's see, do I have time to make it? So one of the things that he posted that uh, uh, it was the first claim that he put up there. And remember, he said, name one item that isn't 100% factual. The first thing he put up was something that appeared to have been written. There's a picture of a woman, and her name says, buy something in her name. And, and it's, it's, a, it's telling about, in 2008, Dr. Anthony Fauci and some other scientists were studying the Spanish flu. They were trying to find out anything they could about how it, tra how it transmitted, how people died, you know, information they were trying to, to get about the Spanish flu of 1918. You know, that's, that was the, you know, this, that nasty pandemic that happened 100 years ago. They were looking into that. This was in 2008. And they found, according to this piece, that uh, uh, it, they, it was saying that most of the people didn't die from the Spanish flu. They died from bacterial pneumonia. And, and, and the person who was writing it said, and how did they get bacterial pneumonia? Wait for it. Wait for it. By wearing masks. <clears throat> so this guy puts this up there. See, you, they got the bacterial pneumonia from wearing masks. See, smart fella. See, genius. At least he called me a genius. See, genius, huh? See, huh? See, this is how it happened. See, Dr. Fauci, you're here with Dr. Fauci. But, okay, so I thought, when I saw that, and I, that was the first thing I thought about. Now, if I find this thing on Snopes, and I, and I, and I put that up there, he's, and it refutes it, he's just going to just poo-poo it, right? Uh, my friend Tim, one of the Minnesota skeptics, was looking through these responses, and he said to me, you know, privately, he says, some of the stuff the guy's claiming, the stuff he's posting, is 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 disproving the stuff he's claiming. And I said, well, you know, I'm not looking all that close at it, because I just it would be a waste of time to try to convince him. There is the thought that 
you're not trying to convince the, the conspiracy theorists. It's the people looking at the thread and reading through it. Maybe, you're, you know, but I'm just making it look, guy, I'm not taking you seriously. You're a jackass and I'm treating you as such. And I'm just putting up silly faces. I'm not getting into it with you. So I looked up the claim. And it turns out that uh, Dr. Fauci did take part in a, in a, or did conduct a study looking into the Spanish flu, and they did find that people died from bacterial pneumonia. They got the bacterial pneumonia, not from masks. They, they, they became susceptible to it because they had the Spanish flu. Because of having the flu weakened their immune system, they got this bacteria in there, and that's what led to the pneumonia. So it wasn't the, necessarily the, the flu that killed them, but it was complications that arose from having the flu. And in that study, not a damn thing was said about masks. Whoever decided to put this out there threw the mask thing in there so as to discredit masks. So his first thing, first claim that he posted, the opinion with the Venn diagram, that's just, just, just opinion. His first thing <laughs> was not 100% factual. And I'm sure the rest of the stuff was a bunch of bullshit too. One of them was... For some reason, it's a, there's an image of Will Smith doing like a, a presentation pose, like, look over here, kind of thing. And it says, you know, according to the CDC, uh, most people who die from COVID are 80 years old and have 2.6 you know, pre-existing conditions. So screw them. Let them die. All lives matter, don't they? <clears throat> anyway, that's what I did to deal with a uh, conspiracy theorist who uh, took exception to my blog post about masks. <laughs> well, you know, you, you put stuff out there, it's going to happen. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm going to go to break. I'll be back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio.
And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm chuckling to myself because I, I let out a couple little burps coming back, and I, I think maybe one of them went out over the air. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, everybody burps, right? So, uh, let's see. There was, this story came up last week, and it's one of those feel-good stories. And it went viral. And, you know, it made, it made national news, made local news, uh, local news here. I'm sure it made local news in Florida, where it happened. Florida. Everything happens in Florida, right? Florida stuff. Florida man. Florida man, right? I've, I've told you this before. There's a reason why. So many crazy people stories come out of Florida. And it's not because Florida has more crazy people. Although that might be... Maybe they they have slightly more than average number of crazy people. Maybe. I don't know. They, all the states have crazy people doing crazy things. It's just that there are certain laws in Florida that allow these stories to be reported on. You know, that, or almost they almost insist that you have to report on these stories. They're called the Sunshine Laws. So these stories get out, whereas they might not be mentioned in other states. You know, uh, so that's why it seems like you know it's always why is it always Florida? Well, because because of their laws. Well, this is a good story. I mean, it's Florida man saves puppy from an alligator. Uh, but this is a road in down into the skepticism thing. Uh, I'm a skeptic. And sometimes things just make this this eyebrow of mine, my skeptical eyebrow, go up. And when I look and went, huh? Hmm. Really? Something? Something doesn't seem right here. Hmm. Something. All right. Now the story, in case you don't know it. And again, I'll link to this on the show notes. Go to dimland.com. Click on the show notes option. You'll get to it. Story of a man named uh, Richard Wilbanks, who is an old retired fellow, I guess, and he, he and his wife lived down there in Florida. And outside, out their backyard, they have, must have a sizable backyard. There's a there's a pond or a swamp or whatever we want to call it. And um, you know, Richard was letting his uh, his uh, little puppy, uh, uh, Cavalier King Charles puppy. Uh, they're pretty dogs. Um, anyway, so they just letting this puppy kind of wander around, and an alligator got a hold of it and pulled it into the pond. Well, Richard hears the yelp for help from the dog and runs runs in to into the water. And this is where the video comes in. The video takes place where it starts off. You know, Richard is already in the water. He's uh, he's waist deep in it, and he's reaching in to, into the water. And he pulls up the dog and the, the alligator. Now, it's not a huge alligator, but still, it's an alligator. And they're strong. Even the smaller, they're still strong. And he, he pulls up this alligator, dog in its mouth, and he he lugs it on over to the shoreline. And he gets down on his knees on the shore, and he starts to just, by hand, just pull the jaws apart of this alligator just get, to get the dog out. He just pulls and he gets the, the the jaws open enough and the dog gets off and only had a little bit of a puncture wound that the vet took care of 
and uh, and and Richard got his, his hands got cut up a little bit, but he used some super glue. <laughs> he cleaned them out and used some super glue to to, uh, to 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 close them up. Which I believe super glue was designed for initially designed to close up wounds on on people uh, in surgery. I think that might be right. I'll have to I'll have to look into it. It might be I heard that and it's not true, but it might be true. I'll have to I'll have to look into it. But anyway, so he's not all that badly beat up, and and he doesn't hold anything against the alligator. It's just doing what alligators do, you know. Um, so uh, this video gets discovered, and it makes the local news. Then it makes the national local news in Florida. Then it makes the national news, and it gets to. So I saw it on the national news here, and later on that same night saw it again on the local news here. And my skeptical eyebrow was raising because of a couple things. It raised some questions for me. I thought, how is there video of this? Who took the video? Why is it so good? That's that's the, that was that was the part that that's really that really. Uh, began to bother me. Why is the video so good? Now let's let's go down some familiar trails for you. We'll just we'll just go down this familiar trail. You know how I've in the past. If you've listened to my show for any length of time, you've heard me talk about how much I hate video that's in portrait, the portrait format, the vertical format. I just I hate it. I hate it. But I've tried to maintain. Uh, um, the the understanding that I should not hold it against the people who are making the video is when it's in this, the case of holy crap I got to get this on video right now it's catch the moment you don't have time to think about do I need to turn my camera you don't have time for that you just get it out and take the you know get your phone out and start taking video so I don't I it, when it's video like that when it's catch the moment then I, I don't hold it against the people taking the video. At least I try not to. And I also realize now, having one of these cameras, that if I go to make video, take video, I make sure that I'm in landscape, the horizontal format, the way we see movies, the way your TV looks, the way your computer screen looks, and the way your phone looks if you hold it the correct way to watch video. Anyway... <clears throat> I've learned that it takes a second or two for the camera to realize it's reoriented and to go into the landscape. So if you you have to wait for it to do that before you start taking video. Well, that takes time away from catching the moment that's happening. This is an event that's happening right now. I got to get video. Boom. Okay. So that's that's the thing, and that's and I get mad not at the people taking the video, but at the companies that make these devices. Set it so that video defaults to landscape no matter how you hold the camera if you want to make a portrait video you have to select portrait video you have to you have to go in and select it now there are times when you might have to do that and there's one example i won't find the video but there's one example i saw of a woman doing uh belly dancing or some kind, not belly dancing, but it was, you know, like carnival, you know, uh, down there in Brazil when they have carnival. And so she's dressed rather skimpily and she's doing, you know, the, the kind of dance that they do down there. And somebody was taking video of it, but they were too close 
to have the landscape video of it to get her all in there. And they wanted her all on the video, so they did it in portrait. And all of her is in there, and it looks fine, and it worked worked for me anyway. Anyway, so, but that's that's that video. The, the times I hold it against people is when they can plan. You've got to plan. Your kid is going to do a recital thing. They're going to dance or play an instrument or tell a joke on stage, and you, you know the kid's coming up. Get your video ready. Get it in landscape, and then start taking the video. Plan it. That's that's that. But if you're just trying to catch an event, fine. Portrait, fine. You know, I hold it against the manufacturers of the devices. Okay. That said, the video of this man rescuing his dog was in landscape. And I thought, huh. That's the first thing I noticed about the videos in landscape. The next thing I noticed is that the camera doesn't move. Now, I did learn subsequently uh, from one of the Minnesota skeptics, Rachel. She told me that a lot of these newer phone devices with their cameras, they have a, a video stabilization on it. So that could, that could account for it seeming pretty still. But no, that camera was locked down. It didn't move side to side at all. It didn't move up and down at all. It didn't get closer to the action or farther from the action at all. It was stock still. It was mounted to something. And Richard was saying that everything happened so fast. And I thought, but not not too fast that you wouldn't couldn't get video of it. So that's why I started thinking, how did they get video? Why is it so good? Why is it in landscape? Why doesn't it move around? Why is it locked in place? How did they get this video? I I didn't I wanted to believe the guy. I didn't want to think this guy was, you know, doing something fishy putting his dog in danger so he can get some video so he can get some, you know, a little bit of fame. I didn't I didn't want to think that. So the next day I went into work and I started looking around on YouTube to see if there was more of the video because every time they show the video, it's he's already in the water trying to get the alligator and you see him pull it up and he goes to the shore and he and as soon as he gets the the jaws open of the of the alligator, the dog takes off and then, and at that it just like a second after that, the video stops. And that's the clip that all these news outlets are showing. So, like I said, I saw it on national news first. Then I saw it on the local news here next. And so the next day, I looked for it again. I found another news report from somewhere. I think it was the same national news that I watched before. I see it again and pay attention to the report. See if they might have said something about the video. They don't say anything about how the video was made. They just show this, you know, this 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 good story caught on video. And then I found that there was another, on YouTube, there was another, uh, you know, somebody else carrying it, and it was a local uh, to the area, to the Florida um, uh, news station. So I, I checked out that video, and I finally found the answer. In that news report, which lasts a little over two minutes or something like that, at about a minute 53 seconds into it, the, the news anchor says that it, the, the, the video came from a Florida Wildlife Federation surveillance camera, a camera that is hooked up to some, you know, a tree or some post or something that is locked into looking at this pond so we can keep an eye on wildlife procedures, what they're doing, you know, see their activity in that area. So the video, that's where the video came from. That's why it was in landscape. That's why it didn't move. That's why it was so good. 
and it just happened to be recording in the cut. I'm sure they've got footage of the alligator grabbing the dog, and they've got footage of Richard running into the water to save save the dog. I'm sure they've got that, but they for whatever re, for whatever reason, the video that was released by the Florida Wildlife Federation just shows that much. And I thought this is what's wrong with with journalism. This, this is what's wrong. The, the local news channel, or at least the Florida news channel, took the time to explain where the video came from. But no other news things that I saw, well, at least the two others that I saw, made any mention of it. And Seth Meyers, Seth Meyers of, you know, the, the uh, uh, late night with Seth, Seth Meyers, he shows the story too and he t in his segment that he calls like, you know, the good news we need right now or something like that. And I'll link to that too. He makes some good jokes in that in there. But he doesn't even mention where this video comes from. And uh, you know, it's just like that's in journalism. You need to say, you know, a Florida Wildlife uh, Federation surveillance camera captured an amazing rescue. I mean, something like that. It may you know a little less clunky, but at least give tell the people like me. A skeptic sitting in the audience, or at least at home, looking at this with this his skeptical eyebrow going up, saying, "Who took the video? Why is it so good? Why is it in landscape? Because it should be in portrait. Because this is something that's happening right then and there. And people would be going, oh, get my camera, get my phone. Oh, I gotta go. Oh, I gotta take get this video. They're not gonna have time to get in the landscape. And why isn't the camera moving around? Tell me that. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm." You know, as I thought about it before I even started digging any further, I thought maybe it's something like that, that this is a camera that's a... But the possibility that this was set up was getting into my mind. That's the cynic in me, I guess, not just the skeptic, saying, boy, I hope it's not that. Boy, I hope it's not that. And it's not that. Uh, Richard uh, Wilbanks is a hero for his dog. He went and got it. He did what he, he, you know, did what he could to save his dog, and he saved it. And, you know, and the alligator, you know, it was I guess they they located the alligator and put it and the uh, the wildlife federation brought it somewhere else where it wouldn't interact with people. So, well, that's that's how it happened. <laughs> you know, so I felt I felt so much better when I found that information. Otherwise, I would have kept thinking, you know, I don't know, is there something about this that's just not right? Okay. Um. I think I'll take my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll return after this break. Looking from a window above, it's like a story of love. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. Be Reasonable is the interview show from the Merseyside Skeptic Society, where each month I speak to someone about their fringe beliefs. 
Over the years, I've spoken to psychics, UFO believers, moon landing deniers, flat earthers, hollow earthers, and all manner of unusual conspiracy theorists. But I've also talked to AIDS denialists, white supremacists, gay conversion therapists. I even interviewed Jim Humble, the inventor of Miracle Mineral Supplement, a form of industrial bleach that he and his followers used to treat cancer and HIV. This isn't a debate show, and my aim isn't to win an argument. But when we listen to how people promote and justify the ideas that we disagree with, even the dangerous ones, I think we become much more effective at countering those ideas. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, look for Be Reasonable on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else the podcasts live. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Z-Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. I can wait another day until I call you. You've only got my heart on a string and everything a flutter, but another lonely night. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I used to hate that song when it when it first came out. Uh, no More Lonely Nights by, I think it's by Paul McCartney. I don't think it's Wings. I think it's just Paul McCartney. But if Wings are involved, what can you do? Um, but I used, I used to hate that song. But then, uh, you know, as I got older, I began to appreciate it. I like it. It's, it's a nice song. It's, you know, it's pleasant. The movie it's from... Give my regard. Give my regards to Broad Street. Is I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but it's it's strange. It has one of the weirdest. <laughs> it's laughable, actually. It's not weird. It's just laughable. It has uh, 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 Paul McCartney doing the song "Silly Love Songs," you know, with Linda and other people, and they're all they're all covered in the, the same flocking material that they use on uh, on Christmas trees. So they're all kind of this pale pasty white looking and they're supposed to be new wave-ish and they do a new wave version of no more uh, of uh, uh, silly love songs and it's 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 strange it's just strange it's, it doesn't doesn't work anyway but i like the song now uh the uh, no more lonely nights um <clears throat> oh uh but there is something that uh, that i don't like and that leads me to having one of these Oh, yes, a Dimland Radio ARG. All right, here's where I put my atheist hat on. Religious people, Jesus, I wish you would stop doing this. I really do. I really, really, really wish you would stop doing this. It aggravates me to no end. Um, I was listening to My Favorite Murder, a podcast by uh, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. It's a true crime podcast. Now, 
I don't listen to the full podcast because they've, you know, what the kids are calling the Marin Open, which is actually the Jack Parr Open. <laughs> you know, where they talk about some nonsense at the top of the show and before they get into the show, it has gotten longer and longer and longer and longer for Karen and Georgia. It goes like 30 minutes, a half hour, you know, what, 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes before they start getting into their true crime stories. So I just scrub right through it. Sorry. You know, I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of their fans that love that part where they just kind of banter with each other about some of the stuff, whatever they're watching or whatever's on their mind or something. And I, you know, with some shows, I might be more forgiving or, or go along with it. Or if they could manage to keep it down to 10 minutes, I, I might not have a problem, might listen to it and enjoy it. But God damn, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of them going on about stuff. I mean, I know that's my show, but it's just... Get to the true crime stories. Let's go. Anyway, so there's an, uh, a recent episode that they did where the uh, Karen tells a story about a woman named Amy, who was a uh, an associate professor. She didn't get tenure at the University of Alabama Huntsville, and uh, Amy was a bit uh, off her nut. Uh, she had some issues, and she was at uh, this happened. I guess fairly recently, within the last 20 years, I think, uh, she was at a meeting with faculty, and she stood up and took out a handgun and started shooting people in the head. And and when it, you know, so the full story Karen tells with a lot more detail than I'm going to give here. But she she works her way around the table. People, of course, are trying to hide. Uh, she's there's a woman named Deborah. Who got under? He got under the table and sees Amy walking around the one side and 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 tries to do something. She, she just grabs at her legs and tries to knock her down or something. I mean, she she you know she got you know she physically tried to stop Amy from doing what she was doing. And Amy turned the gun on her. Deborah begs her not to you know please think of my family, think of you know what are you doing you know that kind of thing. And 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 the gun doesn't fire. It miss either jams or she's out of rounds or whatever. It doesn't. She doesn't. Deborah doesn't get shot, and all the rest of the people who are still there who hadn't been shot, they take that moment to rush Amy and just force her out of the conference room. They slam the conference room door shut, lock it, and then they put they barricade it with. I guess they have a refrigerator in there. They they barricade it and then they call nine one one. So Amy, you know, she walks away. She throws the phone, she throws the gun away in some trash can in the restroom, and then she heads. Out. She calls her husband to come pick her up. Uh, but by the time she walks out of the building, the police are already there. She gets arrested, and it all goes into something, right? And it, and and I'm not going to go into all that details, but she goes to trial and whatnot. And one of the so three people were killed. At least three others were hospitalized. Were were. You know, were critically wounded but survived. And one of them thinks of Deborah as a hero. Because of her actions, she's a hero. And Deborah, uh, according to Karen Kilgariff, who was whatever source she got her information from, says uh, Amy's gun jamming. Uh, was the ultimate saving grace. That's not being a hero. That's just God looking out for you. Oh, God, I hate hearing that. In fact, I'm going to do this again. Uh, I'll tell you. I, it, religious people, don't 
just just stop doing that. Stop giving him credit for ending something that could have, you know, a tragedy from from keeping a tragedy from being more tragic. You know, stop giving him credit for that. Oh, that apartment building fell down. 250 people were killed, but two days later, a baby is found in a nook and it's alive. It's a miracle. No, it's not. 250 people died. That's just God looking out for you. Looking out for you, Deborah? Just you? What about the three people that died? What about the three people that were shot and didn't die, but they were still shot? What about the trauma that every, everyone even suffered? What? That's How is God looking out for you? If he was looking out for you, he wouldn't have made Amy be nuts and think that this was a good thing to do. Don't you think? Oh, God, I kid you know, this is, this is what aggravates this atheist. That religious people do that. They, 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 they forget to give the blame. They forget to assess blame on their invisible sky daddy. I know that's not being very respectful, but that's what he is. They, they, they forget to, to assess blame to him, but they give him credit. <laughs> when, when things are okay at the end, or somewhat okay at the end, oh, man, I heard that and I just went, brr, brr. <laughs> You know, I was like that guy. I, I must have looked like that guy that was giving me all the flack about the masks and COVID. I must have looked like, because <laughs> I just, ugh, it just bothers me. Don't do that. Just rely on your, he's got mysterious ways and a plan. He's got a plan, mysterious ways, plan, mysterious ways. It's a, just, just keep relying on that and stop saying he was looking out for you because he wasn't. How about a cool thing? <laughs> okay, here's a cool thing. Uh, there's some. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. These are some YouTube things that are cool things, a couple of them anyway, and one, uh, not so much. Okay, so um, there's the, uh, he goes by Film Crit Hulk, and he has a, a, a illustration of the Hulk. It's kind of a, a, a cartoonish, uh, more you know, uh, like a like a kids cartoon, not a kids drawing, but like a, a cartoon meant for kids, a little, very simplified of the Hulk. And he's sitting down. He's looking very smart. Like he's rubbing his chin with one hand and in and, and that. And uh, although the illustration just does does irk me a little bit because it's the the his first finger on his right hand is too short <laughs> so when you see the video you'll know that i kept looking at it that finger's too short anyway because it just barely gets past the middle knuckle of the middle finger it says no no you should be right up anyway so <laughs> i don't want to sidetrack too much anyway he has a video on there which he titled uh star wars a new hope why it works it's just over an hour and he goes through the film um, sequence by sequence he says even though it's, it's in the description they call it a scene by scene breakdown but he goes through it in sequences and he says why this works what it is about it what we learn how much we we, we come into the story with it already taking place we're kind of it's, it's called in medias res or something like that some it means you know the story's already started and you come into it not maybe not in the middle but after it's started and you got to get caught up to it you know that's how it begins when you watch star trek voyager there are a hell of a lot of episodes that start that way 
where you, you, you just start watching the episode and something's go they're, they're in the middle of something and you're thinking, okay, what the hell happened here? And then you have to learn about it as the episode goes on. Fill in what had happened and how this how they are in the situation they are in at the moment. They do a lot of episodes like that in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, so anyway, I think his examination of the movie Star Wars, the, the first movie, 1977, that movie, he does a fine examination of that. It's uh, his reasons for why it works. I think it's well thought out. It's very well uh, uh, um, realized. It's great. It's, it's worth an hour to watch. Another thing that I think is cool, cool thing number two, is the uh, is a uh, uh, um, film joy? That's a, a YouTube channel, and they, they the title they titled their uh, the overall videos that they do at least for this series they call them movies with Mikey. So I guess Mikey's the guy that hosts these things. And there's a three part series on the Harry Potter movies, the eight movies by Harry Potter. He does mention some of the books, but he what he's mentioning is he, it's called the uh, uh, it's called the story of Harry Potter, and uh, all together the thing is like ninety minutes, less than ninety minutes to watch it. The three parts, and he just goes through the movies and he talks about how the book differs a little bit, but the, but he really works he works on describing how it how astounding it is that this eight movie franchise works so well. And he talks about from transitioning from you know the, the director that did the first two movies to the next director and how things changed with them. But even though the first you know, Chris Chris Columbus directed the first two movies, he produces the third movie. But Alfonso Corones brought it. Is that his name? Damn it! I wish I wrote this wrote this stuff down. Anyway, talks about that kind of stuff, how it works, how it fits with the book, how but really how the movies build on each other and get better and how. You know how great the casting directors were—the people that found these kids, these three kids, uh, Rupert Grint, uh, uh, Emily Watson, and Daniel Radcliffe—playing the three leads, and and to make it through the series. Now they're a little awkward in the first movie, but they get better at acting, and they get better in their parts, and they they, they really know what they're doing as these movies move along. It's it's it's. It's fascinating, and if you like the series of Harry Potter, I think this guy does a does a nice job at examining the movies and the stories behind how the movies came together, how it works. Now, he doesn't get into the controversy about J.K. Rowling and her trans problem. She has a problem with trans folks. I you know, wish she'd just kind of just stop talking and sit and listen, and maybe she'd figure things out. She's just she just keeps opening her mouth. She keeps digging. She's in a hole, and she keeps digging. And she needs to back that off. And maybe just quiet down and listen. And maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, um, the one thing that's not so cool, not about these two. These are two cool things. They're cool. I think they're cool. But there's one thing that I stumbled upon that I think is not so cool. And that is a series, three-part series, a three-part series that critiques Star Wars 
The Force Awakens. One movie. One movie that's two hours and 15 minutes long. Lop off, what, 10 minutes of that as end credits? Because the end credits go for a long time. There's a movie, Ian. This, this, this guy reviews, he critiques this, this in, in three videos. The, combin, the, the combined running time of the three videos examining, critiquing the movie Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is a two-hour, 15-minute movie, the combined running time is almost nine hours. Now, I didn't watch it. I started watching some of the first part, which he calls the introduction. And it starts off with uh, the, the people that are involved in the movie, actors and that, talking about how excited they are to be in the movie. And then it shows um, the people who reviewed the movie, the, the, the fans that saw the movie and reviewed it at first, how excited they were about it, how great it was, and how much they loved it. And then he starts talking about, the, he starts to, you hear the, the guy, it's Mahler, is what, he, what he, he goes by. He starts to talk about the movies. But he says, well, the movie, the one movie. But before he can get there, he has to do you know some backstories and kind of how he gets to where he's getting. So he says, if you want to get to the critique, skip ahead to one hour and five minutes of his first video, which lasts two hours and 42 minutes. That's over an hour and 30 minutes is dedicated to critiquing part of the film. The first part of critiquing it. He's got two more parts to critique. He spends an hour and five minutes just setting that up. <sighs> Too long, didn't watch. And here's the thing. The Harry Potter one, which is 90 minutes, covers eight movies. Three parts, 90 minutes total for the three parts. Eight movies. Total number of views for his three videos, just it's over 744,000. For this dude, with the one movie review, with nine hours of video, his total views, six million. And I don't think he likes the movies. Before I go, we had sad news uh, this last week. Um, Amy and I both used to work at this place in Minneapolis, a uh, silk screening shop called Cold Side Silk Screening. I started working there in 1996, worked there for my first stint until 1999, came back in 2000, summer 2000 at some point. Um, uh, left in the spring of 99, came back in the late summer of 2000, um, and then worked until 2007. And there was a fellow that worked there while Amy was there and while Amy and I were there. There was a fellow there named Bob Murderer. That wasn't his given name, but that's what he went by. Now, Bob Murderer is one of these old, was, is one of these old punks. You know, he looks like he could... Be, he's right out of the UK pop, uh, punk scene from the 1970s. He, most of the time he had blaze orange hair, leather jacket, the boots, the, you know, he was skinny as hell... And he just looked like he could just pound a nail into a wall with his head. Just, just, he had this look to him. Um, I, I was, uh, I found some video of him, of the, the band that he was in. He was in a band called The Murderers. And three of The Murderers worked at the store, at the, at the silk screening shop as I was there. Uh, it was, it was Bob, uh, Blake, and Dennis. 
Uh, the three of them work there, so I got to know them. And I've seen the murderers play in concert. I saw them back at the time. And there's a video of them playing in concert from 1998. And you'll just get... It's old-style punk rock, real fast, real angry, real, real aggressive, um, with with Bob being the lead singer. And it's just... You know, it's just kind of like that. It's, it's fun. Oh, excuse me. But Bob, he was from... Uh, he was from New Hampshire, and he had an accent that was from nowhere else in the world. I, I just I, maybe not even New Hampshire. It, he had an accent. It was like, what, Bob? <laughs> what are you saying? You could after a time you could catch what he was talking. You, you started to understand his his voice, but he had. It's just he just had this way, and he had a longtime girlfriend named uh, Michelle that he lived with, and Bob. Well, he was a drinker. And he just—he would do things that would be of questionable um, wisdom. Uh, he had a friend. And Amy was telling me about this story. He and a friend of his uh, had wanted to see uh, which one could get uh, which disease—scurvy uh, or rickets. We don't know which one was trying to get which, but uh, uh, and and I think it might be related to the same challenge that. Um, that I heard about where Bob uh, was challenged to eat nothing but candy for an entire month. Just live on candy for a month. Now that could give you scurvy. That that could happen. So, well, um, some months ago we found out that, uh, found out that Bob uh, had cancer and that it wasn't uh, going well. And uh, this past week we found out that Bob did die. Uh, so I have no idea how old he was. I had written a blog uh, series way back when, like 2009, and the, of uh, my concert memories. I have all these tickets for concerts I went to, but then there were concerts I went to that I didn't have tickets for, and I would write about those. And I wrote uh, one piece about all the bands that came out of Cold Side Silkering. There were lots of bands, lots of people working there that were in bands. And um, so I'll link to that in the show notes. You, the first picture you'll see will be of uh, my friend Dave. He's, it's hard to see him. He's playing guitar. He's the guy that plays the lead guitar on the song that I play at the end of the show. I play the really bad rhythm guitar, and my friend Richard plays a, a mandolin on the song that leads out of the show. So, you know, anyway. And if you look through there, you'll see that there's the mur I write up about the murderers. And I posted that. And not long after my posting that, I got a, I got a message from some, somehow... I can't remember how I got the message, but I got a message from someone looking at who is uh, Bob's daughter. She was looking to get in contact with him. And so I put her in touch with a mutual friend, and I don't know exactly how that worked out. But uh, uh, Bob died. He was, a, he was a punk rocker right to the very end. Absolutely. Uh, he just, he was, <laughs> he was a trip, <laughs> this guy. Uh, what's they? What do they say? Rest in power? Is that what they say instead of saying rest in peace? Whatever. But uh, yeah, rest in power, Bob. Bob murderer. Oh man. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's another show. Come to an end. Uh, remember to be skeptical. And extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. You know, keep your distance. Stay home. Stay home for the holidays. Please stay home for the holidays. Don't get grandma sick. And uh, this is Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons uh, at Z Talk Radio on Dimland Radio, uh, reminding you to sleep with the lights off.
You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What? 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 Well, I'm going to hell. hell.